welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Stefan Godot and Karsten Schulman from Godot Games. Godot Games is publisher of Human Punishment Social Deduction 2.0, the expansion project Hellgate, and their newest title, Human Punishment The Beginning, which hit Kickstarter this week. Stefan, Karsten, welcome to the binge. How you doing? Hi. <laughs> Hi, James. Thanks for having us on the show. Uh, it is great to have you guys. This campaign has been um, pretty impressive. So I'm just going to run off some numbers really quickly before we kind of get into the, the history of all this. But uh, you guys have hit uh, 290,000 euros, I believe, uh, across 2,710 backers in like four days. That's huge. Hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys, I know you've done three, this is your third campaign now. Um, I think in total, when I added up the numbers, uh, you guys have raised like, I think, uh, half a million euros uh, across all your campaigns so far. Obviously, this one uh, with four days to go, with only four days in, is going to fund a lot higher than it is right now. Sky's kind of the limit. Um, but my gosh, this is uh, this is one uh, impressive game. The uh, the it's it's like to say beefy. It's a beefy game. There's a lot of stuff in the game, mm-hmm. and there's a lot to do in the game, which I think is pretty cool. But before we get there, let's talk about the history. How did you get into gaming in the first place? So um, I, my most of the time I was a video gamer, so I played lots of PlayStation and stuff like that. But with um, Chaos in the Old World was my comeback to the board game um, society. So and uh, and we're written with table tabletop, of course. Yeah. So uh, and this was my beginning for um, lots of games. My pile of shame is uh, higher than everything here. <laughs> so and yeah, since then I'm absolutely addicted. So I was an avid player since childhood playing role games, sport games, computer games. And then I lost a bit uh, touch of it um, and started a professional career in the media business in the 90s. Uh, wanted to start making movies and putting emotions into people. And then I got in touch again with board games about 2010 with the title Pandemic. Yeah. Um, and I thought, why only putting emotions into movies can evoke emotions through games too? Uh, not only digital but analog too so there started the love for it and now i'm um, doing visual design stuff for board games um and with human punishment at the beginning i'm the art director so that means i'm directing the style the theme uh, the world the atmosphere so that everything has one is, is from the same pattern so to say and then Stefan, so so Stefan, you're kind of the the creator of the um, the universe, and then Karsten, yeah. I guess you're the one that then kind of takes that uh, that vision and implements it into uh, into a creative design. Is that how you kind of split up the two roles? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I started on my own for the first campaign. So it was just me and my idea. Uh, and um, you can see if you see the campaign, you see it's lots of. Um, um, there's no, so, not so much skill in there because uh, I'm not a graphic designer. I, I don't, uh, I'm, not, I'm not good at layout and stuff like that. Sure. But I just did it on my own and, and tried everything here. And it was a success at, at the end. And um, I was really happy to uh, find Carsten because he um, edited all my layout and um, saved it. <laughs> so yeah, and so we, it, it would be better and better and uh, started to flow. 
it's very funny how we got in touch because I was a backer on the first campaign, not involved as a professional worker. And we talked to each other via private messages. And then we said, okay, why don't we do it on another level? And then all started. So that's how you get, so you're actually, it's not like you're like buddies from like 20, like you're just a backer and uh, you got involved that way. That's actually pretty yeah. interesting. It feels like that way, but yes, we're just a backer. <laughs> so how does that conversation start? Like you reach out to the, to the game creator and say, Hey, I think I can take you to the next level or I have some different ideas on how we can visualize that. Or like, how do you approach that, that conversation? I don't remember exactly, but I think I wrote to him and said, it's, it's a cool world and it oozes theme. And I said, well, um, if you need help with anything graphic related, just talk to me. And then he approached me and we talked about stuff. We, we found out that we have the same wavelength and yeah, then it clicked. Well, it certainly helps to have someone that's already a fan of the game uh, be the one that kind of comes in and then says, okay, let's, uh, let's see what else we can inject and, and get into here. Um, so let's talk about the game itself. There is so much going on. I'm going to share my screen for people that are actually um, that are actually watching the, the interview live. Uh, there is just so much uh, involved in this uh, in this box. Um, you know, when people talk about, and I'll get you to explain the game in a second. But in general, like most of the reviewers say, this is a social deduction game. Uh, I think even the description, some of your uh, pages, you say it's a social deduction game. But when you think of social deduction, you think of like a deck of cards, right? I think even your your first uh, uh, game was a like was was similar to that, right? This game is is beyond uh, a card game. Like this is this is like a full table full of stuff, right? So yes. walk us through kind of this unique approach of what led you to going this deep on something like this. Yeah, so I personally don't think this is a social deduction game. This is really important because, okay. you know, in a social deduction game, you, you, you must, um, of course, you lie, but um, it's all about your social skills. And if you're good at lying or if you're um, too loud or maybe you make too much noise in the night phase and stuff like that, sure. um, this is the game, right? And um, this game is more more a deduction than social deduction, I would say. Got it. Okay. So um, it's more like Battlestar Galactica, Nemesis, who goes there. Okay. Um, those kind of games. Um, but of course, there's lots of social in it because there all um, players have other winning, winning conditions because there are four different teams in the game and they all have their secret objective and they must fulfill this um, objective. Otherwise, they can't win with their team. So um, sometimes the good guys must doing bad stuff. Sometimes the bad guys must do good stuff. So and there's lots of paranoia here. And uh, yeah, so this is this was the plan. I'm I'm really a, a, a big fan of Battlestar Galactica, but I think okay. it's a little bit old um, today, and mm -hmm. it's it's out of print, of course. Um, the uh, they lost the license, and I think it's it's a good timing for for a new um, way for the for this genre. Mm -hmm. So and we tried to bring something new here. We always try to bring a little bit new to the to the industry. And yeah, so we tried um, pick up deliver in, in combination here, which is really really cool because I don't like pick up deliver games. I have absolutely zero pick up deliver games, but this is the game. Uh, this is um, absolutely needed for this game um, to be to be the, on that that level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm scrolling and I haven't stopped scrolling. Like, there's just <laughs> that much stuff going on. So okay, so walk us through kind of the the basics of how someone would play this game. So you've got, it's, it's kind of semi-cooperative. 
So you're working together, but you still have your own individual objectives. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, it's interesting you mentioned pandemics, like pandemic meets um, a couple other different types of mechanics. Can you, can you walk us through kind of the, the, the gist of that? So our first game, Human Punishment Social Deduction 2.0, um, the story was pretty easy because the machines had the revolution, the last um, humans fight for their lives. And, um, but this is the beginning. So, so the name already says it. Um, it's the, the timing where the machines start the revolution. So you are a human ghost squad, um, a special force, and you are humans, of course, all will say you are, they are a human, right? And um, you have one mission, you want to protect the network because the machines want to bring a, a virus to the network. So um, you are a little squad and there are three sectors and you can um, go to the sectors. You can search for, um, for stuff there, for data chips. There are blue chips, there are um, uh, firewalls and scanners and stuff like that. And you want to bring them to the network to protect it. But of course the machines, and there are traders in your team, unfortunately, and they try to search for viruses, so for red data chips, and they will bring this um, to the net network here. So they will doing the same thing, but they have different con conditions here. And of course, there's another teams, um, the, the Legion. This is an alien, alien-esque um, species, and um, they will do completely different things. But of course, they want to, to, to feel like humans, so they will do the same thing as the other players. And, uh, and there are the Fallen, and these are, um, um, creatures from from the junkyard, um, lots of um, broken machines and lots of um, old stuff. No one knows what's going on on the junkyard, but they they will do something there. And uh, of course, they will also um, searching for data chips. They are searching for 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 um, spam and for for unknown data. So and they are searching for gray data chips, and they want to bring them to the to the junkyard or to the network. So and here's the big point: if you have the, the wrong chip in your hand. You must bring this to the network or to the to the junkyard. But if you're bringing too much stuff to the junkyard, maybe you are a fallen player, or maybe um, you just got the wrong uh, files here. But there's lots of paranoia here because maybe there is no fallen at the table. You you have four different teams, all are playable, of course. But um, most of the time, not all teams are at the table. But if you were in a, in a small team, so maybe if you were a fallen player, you know that there's no other small team. So you can try to bring other players to think that a Legion player is at the table. So they will try to um, fight against Legion win conditions. But you know, if, if they will do this, you have a little bit of time for your win conditions. So there's lots of cool stuff. And with this, um, option you can play pretty well with just three players because um, there are two humans and one random team so machine legion or fallen player and you have no clue uh, who's the traitor and you have no clue which team is at the table so there are lots of options here for for the traitor to act pretty pretty evil yeah and the whole game is uh, sort of a dilemma of uh, constantly making decisions and dealing with the consequences uh, there are separate routes to the network you have to decide do I take the shorter route, have one advantage here, or take a little longer route, have another advantage there? Do I fight the, the enemies that come up on the board, or do I ignore them now, but have to come back later and there are more enemies? Um, can I trust my team member who is transporting another chip the other way? So it's constant decision-making, and it's a very tense atmosphere that way. And now in the, I think the, 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 the prior version of the game, you could actually... Um, there's some mechanics where you'd switch allegiances. Is, is that, is that the case in this one as well? So you could be playing and then you could switch into kind of allegiance to another team. 
So in Human Punishment, Social Deduction 2.0, there's lots of um, team uh, switches in the game. Yeah. Uh, this is a little bit crazy, but it's lots of fun. Um, in the beginning, it's a little bit different because um, the teams are pretty well balanced. Um, you start okay. the game, but of course, you don't know which team is at the table. Um, but there's one moment in the game, nearly at the end, where this is possible. But just with five and six players, um, with three or four players, it makes no sense because you would make a, a small team really strong, which is not uh, not a good idea. Okay. So, um, but if, if, if with more players, this is no problem. And uh, there's, it's pretty evil because um, maybe you're playing with five players and there are three humans and one machine and one fallen player. The machine is alone. And um, in this phase, uh, it's called machine phase. So all players close their eyes. Um, the humans must uh, thumb up. And now the machines open their eyes. And now it's the possibility if there's just one machine, this machine can choose one human and, and, and um, uh, picks the, the thumb. And now this human is the machine too. So he is, this is pretty um, great because you can choose your, your partner here. You can choose for the, for the strongest character at the table or maybe for the person which is silent, uh, silence and um, is not so in the, um, uh, not, so, not so present, right? So maybe yeah. if you're choosing um, the, another player, all players will think the strongest character would probably be a machine here. But in, in this moment, they know each other and they know who's the enemy. So they will get, receive here some um, bonus information. And as Stefan yeah, just, mentioned, just mentioned, the player count, that was a big concern for us, that it's really, really pretty well balanced for three players, four players, five players, six players. So uh, he just mentioned that you have just five and six players, this legion change, uh, the, this uh, faction change. But that doesn't mean you have a smaller game or another game with three to four players. It's just this, this detail that's missing but it was overpowering with this sort of player count. Mm -hmm. How many players can play? Like what, where does it, what's the max out at? Um, th three, four, five, or six is possible. Six players. Okay. Yeah. And then for a six player game, how long does it take? Like, is it like, this is like a full afternoon or is this like an hour long game or? So um, it doesn't matter if you're playing with three or with six players. Um, it's nearly the same, I would, I would say. There are games about two or three hours. This is absolutely possible. Of course, you, there, sometimes you have around just 90 minutes. Sometimes you're playing 30 minutes more. But in the end, there's so much stuff at the table. and You have, you have so much stress and paranoia here. So you, most of the time, you don't feel the time. So this is no problem. You're playing with full heartbeat and <laughs> you try to survive. And yeah, so, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the point. So it's more like a lot of the Rings extended version. Okay, three, gotcha. Three hours. Three hours. Well, that's a pretty substantial game. And so when, when you guys put this together, um, I want you to talk a little bit about this connecting world system. So there was some thought put behind taking um, your, your first game and um, as a standalone entity, as a standalone game and matching up with this game, which is a standalone game, but then making kind of a, another game where the two games kind of put together and they work together. How, how does that work? What was the thought process behind that? Yeah. So I love world building. I think this is, it's the most important thing for me is yeah. world building. So, you know, there are no new characters, new, new areas and stuff like that. You will see new things. And I love um, to advance a universe. And this was the idea. So I think it's, it's really great if you're having more games, but you can connect them. 
of course they are different games completely you don't need the other game for for the other game right but in the end you can combine both games perfectly so um, if you want you can play a one night campaign with this game if you of course if you um, own both games so you could start the, your your night with uh, the beginning it's the name all right and um, there are lots of outcomes in the game so uh, there's lots of stuff that can happen to end the game and every outcome of this game will bring a new setup for the Social Deduction 2.0 game. So maybe if there are bosses in the game, um, a giant's a mechs, and if they are destroyed in the beginning, they will not appear in, in the game of, of Social Deduction 2.0. Or if your character is um, uh, will, will receive lots of wounds, this character will start with some um, penalties um, in the next game. Or, or maybe if the machines don't bring their virus to the network, there's no machine revolution. So there will be no machines at the, in the next game. So there's uh, lots of really cool stuff and lots of uh, options here. And um, yeah, and the biggest twist here is because you, you're playing both games um, together, uh, your team will also stay. So if you're playing the beginning and the humans win, all players will be, will be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And if the machines don't win, no one should, should be happy because then afterwards you should uh, eat something, um, one hour of trash talk, and now you should start the next game um, with full betrayal because you are still in your team, right? And yeah, of course, there are lots of combinations. You can um, uh, transfer programs from one game to the next game and stuff like that. So I think we we got we did something really unique here in my opinion um, because the games are really really different um, but the universe feels the same. There are the same weapons in the game, yeah. the same um, cyborg mechs and, and stuff like that. So there's lots of um, lots of Easter eggs you could say if you find in this game and in the other one. But in, in the end, they are completely different games and they both work completely as, as a standalone game, of course. Yeah, and, and does Hellgate? Can you do the same thing as Hellgate? Uh, your expansion, uh, which is your second campaign, can that be integrated as well? Uh, yes, without problems. Yeah, so you don't need it, um, but you can combine it um, together. So it's it's just a, it's just an expansion for the human punishment game. So there's just some more options you, you could add to the game, but you don't need it need, need it. So so. And just so I'm clear on this, so do you play one and then you immediately, based on the outcome of that, play the um uh, the beginning or are you somehow playing them at the same time and you're integrating those cards just to clarify for people i know you, you're starting with the beginning okay. so the complete game and ah, afterwards afterwards there are lots of outcomes here and you you must check um, what's going on for your next game so you prepare for the final showdown and the, your social deduction 2.0 is the final showdown of your of your, of your story Got so it. you will write your own story here and of course if you're playing three campaigns you will have three different outcomes because you know the, the teams maybe there are teams there aren't in the game and um, all players will use them differently with, with their characters of course each, each character is different in the game they all have their own skill tree and you can advance them uh, as you want so um, there's so much variety here that's cool that i, th I think you will not see um, the same campaign twice in my so you guys have godfathered it basically so you, you had uh like episode two and three and you went back and did episode <laughs> one right kind of thing like you've done the prequel essentially yeah mm -hmm. that's crazy yeah it is uh that that does feel pretty unique i would say this world that you've built um like certainly I think I'm uh, kind of framing this out. And I think one of the reviewers is saying it's like a cyberpunk space opera was the best way they could describe it. Um, uh, but Carson, you, you've taken kind of this, um, this, this world and you've really brought to life, right. With this new incineration, like you guys have stepped up 
uh, the design, anybody goes back and looks at uh, your, your three campaigns, you can see that you've taken a massive step up in terms of not only the, the design uh, of the characters and the board, the artwork, but even your Kickstarter page. I mean, your Kickstarter page is loaded um, with um, lots of like, uh, you know, moving graphics and, and GIFs and videos showing how, um, you know, how to play this game and, and really pulling people into the world. What was the thought process and how, how did you map that out going in? Was it something that was kind of in the back of your head saying, okay, we got to take this to the next level or did it just kind of build as you guys went and as you started kind of getting into the story and, and building out the creative assets, you kind of naturally said, okay, this is something we got to obviously pull into the page. Well, I call it more a living system. So yeah. it evolves from step to step. Yeah. But yeah, the, the main goal was to say, we have this basis here. We have this IP that we, we, that we set up with the first two games. Yeah. And we want to elaborate on that. Um, and we are all fans of good sci-fi movies that have a deep atmosphere. Uh, I love Blade Runner. And you can see that the, the cyberpunk vibes in the design. And it was a necessity because... Two years ago, the landscape was another thing uh, in the board game market. Now you have to have a fully viable product to, to go into marketing and to, to propose to Kickstarter to the backers. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you are lost in a, in a crowd of, of uh, other products. Um, so the main goal was to, to get the most, most out of it, the highest level. And as I said, it evolved. We had different test versions uh, until the prototype, I think two or three. Uh, and even from prototype to now, uh, that's about four months, Stefan, I think, yeah. four or five months. Um, it changed quite considerably. Um, just more improvements here, more improvements there. Um, that's fast, right? Like four to five months is, is crazy fast, right? For the amount of content that you've cranked out here. It is. It was quite a wild journey the last months. So because UI was also a big concern because we have on, on certain items more information, on certain items less information, but it has to be um, comprehensible in a short amount of time. So you have to make decisions fast. You shouldn't think that long and it should be uh, crystal clear to all players. And there was combining these two things, an immersive art style and this... Uh, great UI <clears throat> to combine that into one that was uh, yeah pretty pretty intense I think. And how did you pull the so the artists that you had uh, do the artwork? Um, were they were they sourced locally or were these uh, people from abroad or international or how did you kind of coordinate that team when you put together kind of this uh, creative vision? Yeah, pretty all artwork comes from Grand Failure. He's an um, artist based in thailand okay and <clears throat> he has this very distinct style oh yeah sometimes loose patterns not not that straight lines and it's it's like a feverish nightmare sometimes so mm -hmm. it's it fits this dystopian cyberpunk world pretty well um and we stick to that one artist um we just use another artist for for these badges we have um there are two badges for the ghost squad members one general one leader uh, that was a German artist and illustrator and the box art cover that was um, a concert artist from Apple who did a wonderful job um, using the briefing and making it a, a wonderful action loaded piece. 
they've certainly uh, they've certainly uh, brought to life uh, this this world in a very compelling way. Um, when you uh, did the first campaign, going to the second campaign, we talked earlier about this kind of this this giant leap you took on the two campaigns. What was it that, that caused it to click? Uh, I guess this question would be more for Stefan. So, um, you know, after your first campaign, which I would see it was still very successful. A lot of people would be very happy with 36,000 euros, you know, 1,200 backers. But when you got to Hellgate, uh, you hit 212,000 euros uh, and then 5,161 backers. That's a huge step up. Was there something that kind of clicked for you or was there a specific thing that you kind of came across where you're like, ah, this is what I need to do uh, for the next campaign to, uh, to really up this game? I think most of the time, if it's your first game, nobody knows you, right? So you have yeah. you have no name, no 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 IP, um, no game. So there's no one um, will find you. No one will search for you. So um, most of the time, your first game is not a really big success. Of course, this game was a success. I was absolutely happy with the outcome. Yeah. But um, there was I thought this is brilliant. But I think there was with more potential in it. So, um, and after, after um, all the backers um, got their games, we got lots of great um, ratings on BGG. And it was um, most really, really long, um, the, the highest um, user rated uh, social deduction game on, on the platform. Oh, so, wow. and I thought, okay, this is a good idea. Maybe you can do something more with the game, <laughs> right? And um, most of the time, of course, it's, uh, expansion is a good idea if you're having a game and you know it's, it's, it's a good game, players like it so um and so there was the idea for an expansion and of course we also tried again to bring something new to the genre so that was the plan and uh, in hellgate we uh, we introduced um um boss battles to the social deduction genre which is pretty strange you could say because um, i've i searched for new ideas and i i found it in a dungeon crawler which is a little bit, yeah, awkward, you could say. Yeah. But in the end, it's, it's really, really cool because uh, there are these big, big bosses. Every boss is different and they can enter your, your running game. And if they are in the game, they can run the, win the game for, for their own. So all players must think about if they will fight together against the boss or maybe they will ignore him or they will try to use him to kill other players. So there's lots of uh, great ideas here in, in the expansion. And I think the idea was really unique uh, and most of the gamers uh, really liked it. So it's, it's really pretty high with 8.9 on BGG. So um, the expansion really did lots of new stuff for the game. Of course, lots of more of the same also, but there's really, the bosses will absolutely bring new stuff to the social deduction genre. And I think this was a really good idea. So most of the time you must search for new things for your for your genre, sure. look, for your, look for the best 10 games and you must look if there's something missing, maybe you can add something which is has lots of value for yourself or for the gamers. And I think this is really important. And I think this was the best way um, to um, bring the expansion to players. How'd you build your community? So, you know, obviously I know you guys work really, really hard and like 24 seven, I guess was one of the quotes uh, on, on your games and part of building that community is part of that. What are some of the things you did to build your community? So yeah, at, at least we are absolutely active in, in every situation we can. So in, in, in the internet, on Facebook, and on in forums, and on, on 
and blogs and YouTube, with YouTubers um, and lots of stuff. We prepared um, tournaments here with Human Punishment Social Deduction 2.0. We had two tournaments um, in, in, in game stores and with 30 players at the table and lots of the complete um, room full of social deduction um, betrayers. It was absolutely awesome. awesome. So I think this really helps. And um, if you try to not to uh, be not too aggressive uh, for, for your own stuff, um, I think it's absolutely okay. Of course, you, you must stay um, a gamer and you must show that you play all games and not just your own games. I think this sure. is really important. I think nobody likes, likes you if you just show your own stuff. I think <laughs> this, this is not a good idea um, for marketing. Um, yeah, I think this is the best, best way to um, improve yourself and um, to uh, show a little bit um, that you're a, a gamer as well, right? Yeah, and uh, I'm sure at, at conventions, you guys did a lot of conventions with the first couple of games. Yeah, so here in Germany, we don't have so much conventions here, but we have the Spiel at Essen. So this yeah. is really important for us. Uh, we had a really great um, a booth uh, two years ago and we got lots of attention there. But of course, last year there was no Spiel. So we, we, we were absolutely sad because we absolutely wanted to show this game um, to the people, but there was no uh, possibility there. Yeah. So how have you play tested? So you got COVID, you got the lockdown, right? So uh, for the past year, when you guys have been in like full on getting ready to, to launch this game mode, is it tabletop simulator or how have you approached a lot of your play testing and, uh, and, and reaching out to that community to play the game? So we were absolutely lucky because our, our big player games with five and six players um, were nearly done at this moment. So, um, but um since our lockdown here, we played lots of three-player and four-player games, absolutely. And this was really good for the game, in my opinion, because um, most of the time you want to play with more players because there's more betrayal at the table. And I personally love more the, the big player rounds with five and six players. But uh, there are also um, um, this Andy in our team, and Andy likes more the four-player rounds and stuff like that. So there's, there's also here... Um, 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 a good good point to play this game with just uh, three or four players, and we played so many three and four player games, uh, so we could could balance a lot here. And I really really think we are now pretty smooth. And I think this is really a game you could play with three players. Uh, and I think there are not so much games in this genre to you can play with just three players. So if you, I would never play my Battlestar Galactica with just five uh, with with three or four players or, or so. And I think this is really cool because most of the time we are just four for um, for guys sitting on a, on a table, and we don't have the fifth player. So I think it's a good idea to have a game you could play with four players, right? So what's next up for you guys? Uh, do you, are you working on another title or are you focused on this one or for the next little bit or kind of what are the current plans? Um, yeah, so we have lots of prototypes, um, but of course uh, we are absolutely not finished here and there. Um, at the moment, we're just trying to um, bring our campaign to the complete um, possible to, to, to everything what was possible, right? Um, and this is lots of uh, time confusing. So um uh, we have lockdown here, so our children are at home and um, the campaign is running. The time is really, really uh, rare. Um, but it, so, so at the moment, we're just doing this, this stuff here and then we must watch what's, what's going on for the next project. But I'm pretty sure there will be a great one, of course. Well, certainly with a campaign uh, that's taken off as well as this has, uh, I, I'm sure you guys are uh, spending every possible second you have 
working on uh, the the next steps and uh, you know continuing to update the assets and you know it's a very organic process over the next uh, month and uh, I'm sure it'll be all consuming for you guys. This is one amazing campaign. I'll put the link uh, in our uh, chat box as well as in the show notes uh, if anybody wants to go check out this game. Uh, once again, it's Human Punishment: The Beginning. Um, uh, from uh, Godot Games and uh, guys, uh, congratulations once again. And uh, I wish you all the best with this campaign in this coming year. Thank you, James. Take care. Take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.